Amen. Good morning. That's cool. It's good to see you too. Thanks for that. <laughs> hey, if you're an elementary school age kid, you can uh, be dismissed to go to your class. You don't have to go, but uh, if you'd like to go, you're more than welcome to make a run for it now. Just go through those doors and not those doors, please. Um, we don't want anybody in the parking lot. Uh, good morning. My name's Stephen. Um, I'm one of the elders here, serve as the lead pastor of the branch, and I just want to echo back what Riley and Andrew have already said, and just a, a grand welcome to you. Um, I'm going to do a couple things to kick us off here. Some of you have just been gone over the summer. Some of you, you might have stumbled in for the very first time here today, and so I want to give you a little bit of context and texture of who we are as a, as a body of believers. Um, and so we're going to do that kind of as an introduction uh, to the sermon this morning. And then I just want to kind of catch you up to speed with where we've been. And so if you've been gone, um, it'll be like you never missed a day. It'll be fine. You'll catch up in no time. We're, we're 18 weeks into Exodus, and we're in chapter 12. So we're, we're just going to do all 18 weeks over again real fast, and it's going to be great. All right? Uh, but I do want to say this, that um, we're a, we're, the, the branch is eight years old, plus or minus a couple weeks, right? And from the very beginning of our church, we have been a church that has been on mission, unapologetically, to reach college students. Okay, so if you're in here and you're like, oh, I'm not a college student, that's not to the exclusion of you. It's just that college ministry is a very unique thing, especially in the culture that we live in now, in churches who are focused, not to the exclusion of everyone else, but churches who are focused on college ministry specifically, uh, tend to really struggle, especially church plants, for financial reasons, college students. Thank you for that. All right? But... Our church is, um, has been growing, and uh, God's been doing some amazing things here at the branch. And so what I want you to know about who we are, okay, and this is not a pitch. This is just, if you're coming in, you're trying to find, you just moved to Dahlonega for the first time, and you're trying to figure out, okay, well, what are these people about? They meet in a gym. Sometimes the basketball goals are down. It's only because they've been stuck. Sometimes they're up, okay? If they're down, we just shoot hoops afterwards. It's fine, all right? We do that right after communion, okay, which we have today, all right? But we're a church, I think the best way to sum up who we are is we're a family of missionary servants, okay? And I'm going I'm to lay out what that means. And maybe for some of you families who've been coming for a while, you might not have heard this before, but uh, we're, we're a church that functions as a family. So everything we do is through the context of brotherhood and sisterhood, okay? So our small groups are not called community groups. They're not called small groups. They're also not called Sunday school classes, they're called family groups, and the reason for that is families act different than Sunday school classes. Not that Sunday school classes are bad, but family groups act different. They're, there's a different rhythm to what they do, and for us, the way that looks is they meet throughout the week in different people's homes, so if you wind up in one, make sure you tell those people who open the door thank you for their hospitality, all right? But there's a meal there. College students, hear that, okay? That's called free food, all right? <laughs> uh, it's potluck, so you got to bring something, all right? Uh, a loaf of bread. You might have some left over after communion. Just grab it, stick it in your pockets, bring it to family group. It'll be fine. All right? So family group, centered around a meal, okay? We gather at the table because that's what Jesus did with his disciples, all right? That's, that's the truth of it. We gather around the table to slow down. Pace of life is hard, not just for college students, but for people in stages of life like mine with three kids and a job and a, you're trying to raise a family and, and lead a church. And sometimes you just need to sit at the table and just be in the corner and slow down, that's what we're doing in family group. We're centered on the biblical text. So after we share a meal, we dive into God's word. And really what we're doing there is we're trying to get to the core of who God is. Who is he created us to be? And now what has he called us to go do? 
All right? That's the rhythm of what we're talking about. So it's not, it's not a Bible study where someone comes up and lectures. It's a discussion around a table with brothers and sisters who are diving deep into who is this God who has created me and on purpose planted me right here where I am today. Okay? And then the last thing we do is we spend time praying together. All right? And so that's, that's our ministry. That's what we do. We exist in those environments. And then we meet here on Sundays. We don't own this building, believe it or not. Lumpkin County Park and Rec is not the name of our church. All right? So we borrow this building, we rent it, and we set up and we tear down every week. So there are some heroes in the room among you today who got here super early, okay, before your first class. And they set out chairs and they hung string lights because you can't have church without string lights. All right? But they come and they serve selflessly in the context of family so that other people who haven't been here yet can come and find a home here. So we exist for those who aren't here because we're a family of missionaries sent out to serve those around us. That's who we are. Welcome to the branch. We're really glad that you're here. And I mean that. We've been expectant of you. We've been praying for you. For those of you who've been a part of the church and who've been absent over the summer, we hope you had a great summer at home or at camp or whatever you did. We're really glad that you're back. And hear me say this, we're better with you here, okay? We are better with you here. All right? So there's, there's step one. We're halfway through the introduction. The second part of this introduction is just Bible, okay? So welcome to the branch. We're, I'm going to catch you up into Exodus. What is the story of God and where are we? By the way, we're in the 10th plague today. Planned it perfectly um, for our largest Sunday of the year. Uh, this is where the firstborn dies, okay? So we'll get there. There is a lot of gospel uh, meat here today. But what I want to do is I want to just briefly catch us up through the grand narrative of what God's been doing uh, in the Bible, in the biblical narrative. So we started in Genesis 1 where God speaks everything into creation. It didn't take long for God's people who he created perfectly, by the way. He said, let us create man in our image. And he looked at it and he didn't just say that it was good. He said that it was what? It was very good. Okay, so if you're new here to the branch, we're really participatory you see, if you've been to the branch, see what I'm doing here? I'm shifting culture. Okay, so we respond. It's like a call and response here at the branch. That's what we do. So when, we, when, I, when I pose a question, whether it's a hypothetical question or a rhetorical question, you just respond because that's what we do at the branch. We don't do that, but I've been trying to get that out for about six months, okay? And so we need you here to help us become better, all right? So, okay, so there's in the creation, God spoke and he created man and female uh, and he said that it was very good. For the first time, he created something that wasn't just good, but it was very good because now creation was complete, right? Creation wasn't just about the trees and the flowers and the dirt and the ants and the snakes and all the stuff, right? There's another snake to come, but different snakes. God actually created snakes too. Um, but when he created us, he created us to worship him. And so all the other things, the mountains, as majestic as they are, they're just good because they don't sing his praise like we do because we have been created in his image. It didn't take long, though, for us to realize that, hey, you know what, if somebody comes into the garden and tells us, hey, you know what, instead of being with God, you can be like God. And that's what happened in the garden when Adam and Eve took a bite of the forbidden fruit, okay? And so instantly they're cast out of the garden from that time forward. We, me and you, have been trying to get back into not the garden, but into right relationship with God. Okay, ultimately, that's what was lost there. It wasn't the beauty of plants and flowers and trees and things. It was the absence of God. That's what we lost in the garden, a.k.a. death entered the world for the first time. Okay? And so from that point forward, we've been groaning to get back to the richness of what life with God 
looks like. That's Genesis 3. So all of that happens in the first three chapters of the Bible. So if you're not just new to the branch, but if you're new to the church, start there. You can catch up really quickly because we preach slow here, okay? So then we get all these generations, right? There's the creation, there's the fall, then there's a flood, all right, where God swipes out the earth. He preserves uh, Noah and his family to create a lineage, okay? And so we see generation after generation. Eventually, we get to Abraham, and then we get to Isaac, and then we get to Jacob, and it's at Jacob where we really begin to get this shift, okay? Jacob has how many sons? He has, we're, ah, man, I thought, I thought earlier that we had it, that it was going to be the thing that we just, forever, we would be changed. Work in progress. It's called the gospel, okay? Um, anyways, so Jacob had 12 sons. Joseph was one of his 12 sons. Joseph is the one that his brothers hated. So there's 11 other brothers who hated Joseph. So instead of killing him, they sold him into slavery, which was just like killing him. Eventually, Joseph winds up in Egypt, okay? And in Egypt, he quickly becomes, gains Pharaoh's favor. And he doesn't just gain gains Pharaoh's favor. He gets a place in Pharaoh's court, okay? Now he has a job. He has a title, he has responsibility. He has power. Okay? And so then a famine hits the land. Uh, Joseph's family then comes to Egypt looking for provision, looking for food. So now God's people, Jacob, is who then becomes Israel. Okay? Jacob's name is changed to Israel, and that name becomes a nation. Okay? And that nation is what wrecks Egypt. All right? I'm getting you into Exodus. Okay? That nation grows. And what we learned early in Exodus is they were growing quickly, not just in number, but in power. All right? All because Joseph was planted ahead, sold to slavery, winds up in Pharaoh's house, gets a good job. He's number two in command. Pharaoh basically looks out over all the land and says, What do you want? I'll give you half of everything. And what does Joseph do? I'm taking half of everything. Okay? So he has position, he has power, he has influence, and when his family comes back and they realize who he is, we really see the tenderness and the softness of hearts being broken for what I would say is one of the very first times in the Bible outside of maybe Cain and Abel. Okay? And so in that softness, God begins to establish not just a name, but a nation. And not just any nation, but his people as a great nation. So Israel grows, threatens Pharaoh's power, and then what does he do early in Exodus? He throws out an edict. Do you know the edict? The edict is to kill the firstborn, so the midwives of Egypt would go in, and when a Hebrew woman has a baby, they would take the baby, kill the baby, okay? But they weren't doing it well. They were failing at their job. Praise God for that. Anytime life is preserved, God's people say, amen. Hey, gosh. All right, I know, I know your sweet spot now, so we're good. All right, so here, here's what we got. We have the uh, midwives failing at their job. Not them failing, but the Israelites were really good at having babies, and they did it fast, okay? So by the time the midwives got there, they had, they had hid the baby, protected the baby. So Pharaoh changes the edict. What does he say? He says, go and get the firstborn son of every family and throw him in the Nile, which was a death sentence, Okay, and that's what they do, except for one. There was one little boy who was born of a Levite family. Okay, Levites become the priests, all right? But it was a Levite family, and he's preserved. They fashion a little ark. Okay, if you were here, you can go back. All of these are on our podcast. I'm not sending you to our podcast. I'm just saying if you want to catch up quick, you can do it there, all right? But they're fashioned an ark, and they put this baby boy in, and the mom puts him in the water, and then she walks away. Feel the weight there, okay? If you don't have kids, you'll feel the weight one day. If you do have kids right now, your heart is here, okay? She puts him in the water, and she 
walks away. And she's trusting that God somehow, some way, is going to save that baby. And you know what? He did. But guess how? It's not just that he saved him, but guess how he saved him. This little boy becomes Moses, by the way, okay? Spoiler alert, all right? This little baby, who's in a basket, in the water, that was meant for death, is rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter, the one who said, kill the babies. Now, it's his little baby girl who says, I found the baby. Can I keep the baby? And she keeps the baby, and she raises the baby. And the baby gets a new name, takes on her name. He's raised in the house of Egypt, raised in the house of Pharaoh, the king of the Egyptians. And it's from inside the house of Pharaoh that the Pharaoh's house falls. That's another place where we would say, amen. Okay, when people threaten the kingdom of God and those kingdoms fall, God's people rejoice. Okay, so just know that all of this, what's happening in Exodus is happening in our world today. Okay, and there is freedom and there is hope for the future. That's what the Bible is all about. It's not just a historical narrative. It's a present narrative with future implication. All right? Amen. That's right. Okay, so Moses winds up being raised in Pharaoh's house. He winds up killing a guy. It's a neat little story, a little, little pivot there in the story. Kills a guy. He gets scared. I, would also, I'm not, I have not killed a guy, um, but I would be scared, and he runs away. He flees, and he goes to Midian. He spends 40 years outside of Egypt. So at this point, he's about 80 years old. He was 40 in Egypt, 40 years outside of Egypt, and then God calls him to go back. Moses has a hard time with calling. I have a hard time with calling. I'm guessing you probably have a hard time with calling. God, what am I going to do with my life? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you want me to do that? Well, I don't talk good. I don't speak good in front of folks. I don't read good, I don't dance good, I don't sing, right? And that's what Moses was doing, and he makes excuse after excuse until God says, okay, I'm going to send you a helper, because we weren't supposed to go out into the world alone, and he sends his brother Aaron. Praise God for Aaron, because Aaron is the little, well, he's the older brother, but he is the one that helps Moses gain confidence to go out on mission, all right? And so they go, and they return back to Egypt, and then what happens? The plagues. And now you're caught up, okay? So the plagues, there's 10 of them. Water gets turned into blood. That was the first one. There are frogs, gnats, flies. It sounds like the 4th of July. There's livestock dying. There's boils. There's hail, locusts. The ninth plague is darkness. And the last one where we land today is death, okay? So we're in Exodus chapter 12. I started my clock late. I don't know where we are on time. We're at least nine minutes, and that's what this says You were saying, what, 15 minutes in? There's your introduction. Nailed it. All right? Exodus chapter 12. Here at the branch, we preach through an entire book of the Bible at a time. Okay? So we're 18 weeks into Exodus. We have at least 54 weeks of Exodus. So we go line by line. The reason we do that is because we don't want to miss what God has to say to us. Okay? I trust God's word. Please hear me say this. Just your attention for just a second. I don't do this a lot. I need you to hear God's word more than I need you to hear what I have to say. Okay? So what do we do? Two weeks ago, 68 verses. It was a lot, okay? But it was important. It's hard work. It's hard work for the communicator, just so you know, too. But it's hard work for us to dive deep into God's word, but it's worth it every single time. So we go line by line, verse by verse, word by word, because we don't want to miss what God might have to say to us today, okay? So Exodus chapter 12, verse 29. We only have four verses today, so that's where I make up for the 15 minutes. That's now 17 minutes, okay? Exodus 12, verse 29. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne 
to the firstborn of the captive who is in the dungeon, in all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt. For there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We do thank you just for the expectation over the last couple of weeks as we get ready for the start of school and just the, the many people who served and, and move in and, and helping students get not just connected to a church, but a community of people who will love them and point them ultimately to you through the word that you have given us. And God, we pray uh, that if it's not here, that it would be somewhere that will preach the gospel, point them to Christian community. And that goes for all of us. So God, we pray that you'll help us have courage, convict our hearts this morning. Are we thankful that of all the texts that we could have been preaching today, that it is this one, the most gospel-centered, gospel hope that we have, that you would send your son as the ultimate Passover. So we love you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to do real quick, um, we don't do transitions well, but we're going to transition right into the text. I want to lay out my main point, the main idea. But if you've been here, this isn't going to catch you by surprise. It's got a little nuance, but it's not different. The main point today is that justice and mercy always lead to full surrender. Okay, and I'm going to work that out, so give me a little bit of time. But justice and mercy always lead to full and complete surrender. Okay? So that's where we're headed. So what is the story, the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn? I think it's a few things. I think it's a story of death and a story of new life. I think it's a story of tragedy and I think it's a story of joy. I think it's a story of judgment, and I think it's a story of mercy. And I don't know where you've been. I know where some of you have been lately. I know where I've been. This is a message that I've needed to hear for weeks. And praise God that it is here. And so if you're wandering in this morning, you're like, I wonder if those folks who meet in the gym are about. This is what we're about. This is who we are. The story of the gospel is a story of death becoming new life. It's a story of tragedy being turned into joy. It's a story of judgment and mercy ultimately leading to the glory of God. That is what we're about. And so I want to do a quick reminder from last week when Jared was teaching through setting up the Passover. This is Exodus 12, verse 11. It's not on the screen. You don't need to go there, but just listen to these words. It says, in this manner, you shall eat it. And they're talking about the Passover meal. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. Now, I don't know what kind of table you grew up around, but the faster you ate at my table, the more trouble you got in, okay? So we are kind of going through some of this in, with our kids who just eat really slow, right? And we're just constantly at the dinner table being like, hey, bro, we're about to go to bed, okay? But God was doing something here, right? He says, eat the meal in haste. You know what he's telling them? You better get ready to run. We're about to move. 400 in 30 years, 
God's people have been in Egypt 430 years. That's generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. That's, that's granddads telling about their great-great-great-granddads coming into Egypt. That's a long time. But now it's time to move. Now it's time to go. And for some of you, that's what you've just done. You've moved out of the only comfort you've ever known to a place that you have known nothing about. It's scary. Can I tell you about my experience moving into my freshman year? Not that we're all college students here, but some of us have been that. I was an athlete, so I'm moving into an athletic dorm. Athletes are really tough guys, okay? They come in and they're like, I'm going to carry my own fridge, and I'm going to carry her fridge too, okay? There were no girls in our dorm. They didn't do that back then. But I was going to carry the one that, you know, I was going to carry the pitcher's I was a baseball player, so I was going to carry the weak guy's stuff, right? And so you move your stuff in, and I remember this. I, I had a little S10 truck, and I'm, I'm driving in to campus, and like all of a sudden I start to feel the gravity of what's about to happen. It wasn't about the refrigerator or the moving the stuff, but it was the people in the car behind me were going to turn around and leave in a couple of hours. It's scary. It's really scary. Because for the first time, you're alone. For the first time, you're on your own. And some of us who aren't in college, you're doing this now. You're changing jobs. Maybe some of you just retired. You moved to Delano and you don't know anyone. Moving to a new place where you don't know folks is scary. And so what do we do as a church? What do we do as Christians, as followers of Christ? We lead with hospitality. We lead with kindness. We lead with joy. Because when you're on your own, those are the three things you're missing. You're missing mama's cooking. You miss grandmama's kisses, right? And you're on your own, not here. So this story of tragedy and joy, I think for me, struck deep this week. When you turn on the TV or you look on your phone, whatever app it is, and you see the news of the world, it seems like all we like to talk about is what? Tragedy. We don't ever tell the story of joy, ever. It might be like on the back page of a newspaper. If you don't know what a newspaper is, it's this thing they used to deliver to your house, right? But it's always tragedy. It's always sorrow. It's always pain. Because the reality is, that's what our world knows. We don't know joy. We don't know peace. Because we're looking for it in places that can never provide it. This is what's happening in Egypt. Pharaoh is looking for peace. Pharaoh is looking for joy. He's looking to be content. And he'll never find it in the richness and power of who he is in his position. And so what does God do here? He goes right at the heart of what we all have in common. And as we care deeply for the next generation. No matter what your faith structure is, you care deeply about the people who come behind you. Or you're a coward. That's hard. Sorry. It's true. Okay? Don't let me lose you there. So what's happening here? The death of the firstborn. Tragedy and joy don't get the same airtime, but this is, comes from Philip Ryken. It's going to be on the screen. Listen to this. It says that God is no respecter of persons. He will judge everyone by the same standard. Who's included in everyone? All of us here today in this room. He does not care what color we are, praise God for that, how much money we have, praise God for that, where we go to school, what company we work for, or even how good we are. Some of you really needed to hear that. You struggled with where you're going to go to school. You struggled with where you're going to go to work. You struggled with who you're going to marry. 
Those things are secondary to who and what God has called you to do. Please hear that. What matters to God is whether or not we have faith in the sacrifice of His Son. Those who trust in the blood of Christ will receive eternal life. Those who do not hold on to Him and to His cross will be finally and fatally lost. If you're a Christian in this room, that sentence should break your heart. Do you know someone who qualifies in that sentence? I was telling, um, we did move in this week. Uh, I was in Owen. Does anybody live in Owen? One person. You're welcome. I moved your refrigerator. Uh, I'm just kidding. I only had to move one. Everybody was complaining about how many fridges they had to move. But I, I was talking to someone, and they were like, so what do you what do? You do? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm bivocational. I served a church, but I have another job. Well, why do you do that? The simplest thing I could say is, there was a time in my life I didn't know anyone who wasn't a Christian. I was in seminary, living in seminary housing, which is not cool, by the way, working at a church, leading Bible studies, preaching on Sunday mornings. All I knew were people who were showing up to church every day. And then God says something crazy, kind of like what he said to Moses. We think, hey, I think you should go do this. Would you go do that? We wrestled with it for a long time. And finally we said, yes, Lord, we'll do it. And guess what? I'm around more non-believers today than I ever have been. And it's not always like, well, let me tell you about Jesus. But sometimes it is like, hey, I'm going to do business in a way that's going to ultimately point you to Jesus. Okay? God's not called all of you to come stand up here. That's where I thought I'd get the most praise gods or amens or something, okay? God's not called all of us to come do this, but he has called you to do something. And what he's called you to do is to go to the ends of the earth, teaching them, baptizing them, all that I've commanded. That's the Great Commission. That's what we're, that is our job. That is what we've been called to do. So I'm going to move us, move us along, all right? There's a Christolo Christological application, and here's what we mean by that. You've heard me say this if you've been around, but we can't fully understand Exodus until it points us to Jesus, Okay, so we're not done here until we've gotten to a, a bloody cross and an empty tomb. All right, so here's the Christological application. Jesus is the firstborn. He wasn't created, but he was born. Please hear the distinction. Okay, begotten from the Father. This is what the Gospel of John says. He's begotten, okay, which just means he's of the same essence. He's a likeness, right? So uh, zebras don't give birth to giraffes. Do you get it? So God only can have God. But, God. but Jesus wasn't created. He's existed for eternity, second person of the Trinity. But Jesus is the firstborn of the Father who willingly placed his blood on the doorpost so that you and I could be spared. That's what's happening in the Passover, okay? It wasn't about a historical moment in history where, where the angel of death swept over Egypt and killed all the firstborns in Egypt. It was that. But it was more than that. It was saying there's going to come another angel of death who's going to sweep over the earth and those who are covered in the blood of Christ will be passed over and they will be redeemed. That is the gospel, okay? That is why we're here today. That is why we do what we do. That's why we sing the songs that we sing. That's why we study God's words because we need to be reminded that I'm not worthy to be forgiven and yet I have been forgiven. I've, my, my sin has been paid for and covered by the blood of the Son of God. Amen. And the good news so have you. So have you. That's why we do what we do. So I want, us to, I want to move us in this text a little bit because there's this weird tension. The main point, 
right? The main point this morning was that justice and mercy always lead to full surrender. So what does that mean? It means that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that what? Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee and every tongue. Listen to Philippians chapter 2. This is verses 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him, that's Jesus, him is Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, what, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth, and where? And under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So why do we exist here? We don't exist to grow a big church. That's not our goal. Please hear me say that. What is our goal here? It's that last bit right there. Everything we do to the glory of God. That's why we do everything. Why did you do move-in this week? It wasn't to recruit people to come to the branch. Let me tell you that. I know the people who are doing it. It wasn't that. We couldn't even find our little handout cards. Okay? We lost them. They are found. Praise God for that. But we did lose them temporarily. Okay? That's not why we do it. It's not so that we have people in the bleachers and we add more rows of seats and we eventually have to buy a building. We have to do this. That would be awesome, by the way. That's not the goal. The goal is that God would be glorified in everything that we do. Everything. And so whether you find the branch to be your home or at some other church in town, we'll help you find a really good church. That's the kind of church that we are. If it's not here, we'll help you find a good church. Go find a good church who will preach the gospel and point you to Jesus for the glory of God the Father. There's another text I want us to look at. This is from Romans chapter 14. It says this in verse 7. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. You've been claimed, by the way. That word redeemed means you've been bought back, paid for with a price. Verse 9. For to this end Christ died and lived again. Praise God for that. That we, he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, listen to this. This is quoting Isaiah. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. Every knee will bow. So Pharaoh at the end here says, what does he say? He kind of slides it in, doesn't he? He's like, get out, be gone. Will you bless me on your way out? Pharaoh's a supreme narcissist, okay? He's only concerned with himself. But blessing apart from repentance is non-existent. You will never get the blessing of God apart from repenting of your sin, okay? And that's what we do as a church. We're calling each other towards Christ-likeness and away from the stuff that the world says is healthy for you. Because it's not. But Pharaoh would never know the blessing that comes from God because he was never willing to repent from his sin. Pharaoh, let my people go so that they could worship me. Okay, okay, okay. Nope, never mind, never mind. Pharaoh, let my people go. He never repented. And so judgment came to him. God won't bless someone who won't repent from their sin. Justice and mercy always lead to full surrender. Every single time. And I hope today, above maybe anything else, that you find rest there. I think a lot of times we try to work in order to get righteousness. You can't. There's nothing that you can do to get undead. There's nothing that you can do. 
So for me, this week, justice and mercy always lead to full surrender, meant rest, like a deep breath, like a slow down, slow down. In whatever season of life you're in, there was a time, the branch was only one season of life. God has blessed us with people who are not in college anymore. They have grayer hair, okay? I didn't call them old, seasoned, okay? It's a gift. But wherever we are, all of us in this room, rest is what we need because it's only through rest that we'll find joy. Joy is only found when you realize, oh, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I can't. And so what do you do? You lay down your burdens and you go to the table. And that's exactly what we do here at the branch every week. Not as some sort of robotic rhythm, but as a spiritual formation response. Because we care deeply about your heart, okay? And we really love you. We go to the table and we respond. And the way that looks here at the branch is if you're a Christian, we invite you to the table. We are, whether you're a member of the branch or not, that does not matter. If you've been bought, if you've been passed over by the blood of Christ, you're invited to the table where we take a piece of bread and we dip it in the cup as a way to remember the goodness and greatness of who God is and what he has done in my life and in your life. And so now as we enter into this time of communion, I think the, the best way to... People always ask, well, what's your application point? I don't know. It doesn't say that in my notes, but I don't know. I know in seminary you fail a preaching class if you didn't have a really solid three-point application. I passed, by the way, and I never had a three-point application. But what's the, what's the point? The point is that God, who is rich in mercy, sent his son, his only son, to bring us back into right standing with him. What we forfeited in the garden, he paid for on the cross. Once and for all. Once and for all. Salvation is finished. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Just thank you for this time uh, to worship together with uh, new friends and old friends. And God, our prayer as we transition into a time of communion and that our hearts would respond, that our lives would respond, that we would live in light of the gospel, not just on Sundays or during the week at our family group, but Every day, every moment of the day, would you remind us of who you are and what you're about? And would you call us towards those things? I thank you for this book of Exodus as, it's re- as it begins to shape who we are as a church, as a local church, on mission to serve the people that you've placed around us. Would you help us to do that with confidence, and courage, and conviction? Help us to love people well. I think in Pharaoh's desperation when he realized that his firstborn had died, he calls on Moses and Aaron. He was looking for rest. He was looking for reprieve. I think the story of Exodus is the story of us. As God's people prepare to run as you're going to call them, and we'll see this next week, I pray that you will help us just to see who you are and what you're doing and how you're using us in the world. We love you. We're so thankful for this place that we get to call a church home. Thankful for the generosity of Lumpkin County to let us use this building. I don't think we say that enough. 
Lord, we love you. We pray for all those who are moving here this week and next week. Somehow they would find the richness of community that you have given to us through your son, Jesus. We love you. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you